On today's edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, we'll be bringing in Jody Biasi, the host of Locked On Savers. On today's show, we're going to be discussing the state of the Florida Panthers and the Buffalo Sabres. And in the third and final segment, we are going to discuss the opening night roster for the Florida Panthers, who made it, who did not, who cleared waivers, who the Panthers claimed, and where they stand as far as the salary cap. We discuss this more on today's edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this crossover edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and the Locked On Buffalo Sabres podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're at your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and Locked On Sabres podcast your first listener today. For everyone on the Buffalo Sabres feed, let me introduce myself. My name is Armando Velez, the host of Locked On Panthers. You can follow me on Twitter at MondoMan12. And very thankful to be doing this crossover edition of the show with the host, of Locked On Savers, Joe DiBiase. Joe, how are you doing, man? I'm good, buddy. How are you doing? Good to talk to you again, especially with hockey right around the corner. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's great knowing that t- today is when this drops, it's opening night. We have a few few games on the schedule. The Tampa Bay Lightning will be facing off against the New York Rangers on the road and Vegas versus LA to start. Even though we had a few regular season games last week, during the day, which I, I I was discussing pre-recording how I was at work during both of those games uh, during, between the Sharks and the Predators. So great to have some some hockey back. And of course, in the middle of the best month when it comes to professional sports, hockey starting up, basketball as well. Football season is in, in, is in the mix. Of course, yep. we have a Bills-Dolphins rivalry in this, in this <laughs> show, even though we're talking about hockey. But hey, uh, yes. it's, a, it's, a, it's a great time. But let's uh, let's first start talking about the Buffalo Sabers, and of course, it's been it's been it's been a while since they since they've mm-hmm. been in the postseason. But it, they, this is a team that has been growing for a few years now. Of course, of course, Rosman Rosman Stalin has been in the mix for a few years now. But Owen Power, after getting a few games uh, last year uh, in the for the Buffalo Sabers, after finishing the season in you know disappointing fashion with Michigan uh, Panthers prospect. Mackie Semaskevich was also part of that team in Michigan. But how has the buzz been like uh, with having Owen Power uh, now mm-hmm. with the Sabres? I, th- I think it's uh, it's an optimistic buzz that's in the air with the Sabres right now. And it's led by Power. But it's a couple of different guys. Jack Quinn, who's been their number one forward prospect in the past couple of years. He's ready to make the jump to the NHL level. And he had a dominant season in the AHL, uh, just like historically good for his age bracket. Um, so people are excited about Quinn. They're excited about JJ Paterka, who was a second round pick of the Sabres a couple of years ago, but he's one of those guys that was drafted. And it's like, ever since he was drafted, it's, oh, he's playing way better in Germany than people thought he was going to. And oh, he's playing way better in the AHL than people thought he was going to. And he made the Sabres opening night roster. So Paterka is a part of that as well. But power, of course, is the kingpin for the youth movement for the Sabres. And that's what has people excited is it's different. It's not we're trying it with the same old core time after time after time. And it's not working. 
This time it's, all right, let's try it with some kids. Let's get younger and let's, let's kind of organically develop it rather than, you know, a couple years ago, it's let's trade for Eric Stahl and let's sign Marcus Johansson in free agency. And let's, let's just throw these little band-aids at all the problems. Now they built it up through the prospect pool and there's like waves of prospects that are about to hit the shores in Buffalo. And this is like the first wave they've got, as you mentioned, Savoy, a couple of other first round guys that they drafted in the past couple of years. That'll show up in a couple of years, but this year, that first wave power Quinn Paterka, that trio's got fans super excited for the season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was kind of thinking ahead of like the second wave as well for the Sabres. And one of them includes a uh, goalie prospect, Devin Levi, who they yes. got from the, from the Florida Panthers in exchange for uh, Sam Reinhart as part of that draft day trade last season. And you mentioned Jack Quinn, who I saw 61 points in, I believe, 47 games in, in Rochester. And in yep. just two games, he's, he gets a goal and assist last season uh, for the Sabres. But also another player who who had a 40-goal season last year in Tage Thompson. A lot of There's a lot of criticism going towards the Buffalo Sabres way when they signed them to that uh, mm-hmm. deal that was over seven million a year, but with the cap going up, that's that's a that yeah. is a contract that see that tells me that there's a belief in in this guy. Of course, this was part of the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Of course, he goes on to win the Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues. But hey, this could be a situation where both these teams could possibly win this trade. The it'll be hard for for the the O'Reilly trade or for the Levi trade because the but O'Reilly the, trade. He, the the O'Reilly trade. Uh, okay, it'll be tough to it'll be tough to make that an outright win for the Sabers. We could get to win win territory though, right? We could mm. get to win win, but it'll never be a win over the Blues. They won the Stanley Cup, and he was yes. the Con Smythe winner. So it's gonna be hard to top that. Even if O'Reilly could retire today, and they would be happy with that trade. But yeah, we're starting to come around on that trade in general now because Thompson has developed into what he's developed into now. Why is there criticism? And I think it, the criticism is fair. It's because he only did it for one year, 38 goals last year, a crazy high shooting percentage that was way higher than any year previous. And typically when you see a guy that's had three seasons of, oh, he scores on 9% of his shots. And then suddenly, oh, he's scoring on 19% of his shots. That's a very obvious candidate for regression and not to overreact to the goal total. But where I think it might be different with Thompson is he's playing a completely different position than when he the, than what he was before Don Granado showed up. He was playing winger and coaches were trying to put a square peg in a round hole, looking at his six foot seven frame and thinking, that guy's gonna be a power forward. And that's how I'm gonna use him. Front of the net, dirty in the corners, cleaning up the the the, the extra stuff. When in reality, Don Granado came in and was like, I don't care you're six foot seven. You're not trying to be a power forward. You're trying to be a finesse goal scorer dangler. And Granado said, okay, I'm going to let you get to the open space. How am I going to do that? Center. And it worked because he wasn't, he didn't have a coach that was trying to make him something that he isn't. So that's why I think what he did is repeatable. I don't think I would guess he gets back to 38 goals, but 32, 33, like the low thirties, I think is completely fair to expect from him with, you know, every third year, maybe he has a goal, a season where he's approaching 40. Um, but again, there is downside. The downside is this guy did it for one year. And if that tanks, you're going to look like idiots because you gave this guy a seven-year contract for $7.1 million. 
Yeah, and 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 the one year is is the is the hard part to process for for I'm sure a, a lot of people who who cheer and cover this team. And yeah. also also there there's a different vibe. There's there's a different vibe I feel as far as national coverage on the Sabres because all all the all the drama from Jack Eichel has been over for almost a year now. Uh and it, it's funny because of how these two our two teams that we cover are connected because there is also Matthew Kachuk could have been traded from the Calgary Flames to the Buffalo Sabres last season before mm-hmm. there all those uh, leaked r- reports to influence Vegas to pull the trigger, and, and then one of the, one of the pieces that they get back one yeah. in Alex Tuck, upstate New York native, played for Rochester, not too far from where where he's from in Syracuse. And what the, the other piece in that is Peyton, Peyton Krebs as well. But the fact that they got a person who wants to be in Buffalo. And yeah. we, we've also talked about it as far as Florida, about people wanting to play in Florida. I've talked about it so many times. But you have a person who wants to be there from there, who bleeds yeah. upstate and western New, New York. So I think that's a really cool situation that not and, only that they got back out of that drama, but yeah. they got a promising player in that. I, Fans are very happy with that trade right now. They've done about so far as well as they could. One, the Vegas draft pick turned out to be way higher than we ever could have imagined. We were thinking low 20s, even the 30s, because the Golden Knights were a Stanley Cup contender. For that first round pick to end up 16th, that was a, that was the best case scenario. It was never going to be higher than that. So that was good. Um, and yeah, Tuck being a part of the fabric of the organization and the fan base, and he's going to Bill's games shirtless. You know, and he's he's not like up in the suites. Like he's going in with the rest of the fans. He's waiting in line to get through the, the little stalls. He's sitting in the stands. Like he's a he's a Buffalo guy, and fans love that. And I think that's very easy to roll your eyes at. And I have even done that. Kevin Adams, the Sabres GM, has said we only want players that want to be here. Well, my reaction to that would be, no, you don't. You are going to get players that have to be here because their only players are going to come to Buffalo right now with how bad they've been are draft picks and young players and entry-level contracts. But he found Tuck. Like, Tuck is one guy that genuinely wants to do it. And, of course, it is because he grew up a Sabre fan and grew up in nearby Syracuse. But, listen, it's tough. It's tough to convince players uh, anywhere to, to come to this organization right now because, hey, you're Florida Panthers. You mentioned connections. Here's another connection. They just broke the record for the longest playoff drought in NHL history by the Florida Panthers. Florida was 10 seasons from 90 or from 2000 to 2012. The Sabres haven't made the playoffs since 2011. That's 11 seasons. It's now an NHL record. And how are you going to get people that want to be a part of a team that haven't made the playoffs in 11 years? You've got to either be entry level contract or you got to be from there. So talk has been a dream because Sabre fans love him. He's also a good player. And that's a huge part of it too is, it's not just he wants to be here because he's a he's a gritty leader guy. Like no, he's also a really darn good top six winger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and projected from daily faceoff to be on the on the second line with Casey Middlestat and Jack Quinn. From what I what I'm seeing. Yep. Uh, what last question is uh is the goaltending department? Of course, 41 year old Craig Anderson, former Florida Panther, uh, mm-hmm. Craig Anderson, and. Uka Pekalukkanen. I know you've been very high on Uka Pekalukkanen, and I spoke mm-hmm. earlier about the next wave of of talent coming from the coming yeah. from Devin Levi, who was a Hobie Baker, uh, who was part of the who's I believe finished in the top ten in the Hobie Baker voting uh, this past yeah. season, if I'm not mistaken. But 
what what's the what's the goaltending department uh looking like and your confidence level for them so what's funny is like the guy that's the least well-known name on the Sabres right now is probably the starter. In fact, he's definitely the starter. Eric Comrie, who they signed for, away from the Winnipeg Jets in the offseason. He actually, the funny thing about Eric Comrie is he was once thought of as a top goalie prospect. He was a second-round pick of the Jets. Um, but, I mean, Connor Hellebuck just became like an elite goaltender. So he was never usurping that guy. Um, and, you know, a slow development ahl for a while and i think he's already 27 years old last year he's a limited sample size he only plays 19 games because he's on a team that still has and this doesn't happen much anymore the days of marty brodeurs playing 75 games are long gone except in winnipeg where connor hellebuck plays like 65 plus games every season and that's where Comrie was the backup last year 19 games was all he played but in those 19 games he was number one in the NHL in save percentage. Number one. Number two was Ilya Sorokin of the Islanders. Number three was Igor Shesterkin of the Rangers. We're talking about great goaltenders that were below him. But the obvious counter to that is, and why was he so cheap for the Sabres to sign? He did it in less than 20 games. So I think they're hoping that one of two things happen. Either Comrie being, it doesn't have to be, num- he's not going to be number one in save percentage, but if he plays 45 games, can he be league average? They would take that. I think they're either betting on Comrie, what he did in Winnipeg was real, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just a flash in the pan. Or two, they're hoping Ukapeka Lukanen, their number two goalie prospect right now, because Levi has developed really nicely. Lukanen at some point this season shows up and takes over the net. Kind of similar, I mentioned Shesterkin with the Rangers a couple of years ago. Shesterkin showed up in like January and took over the Rangers net and almost carried them all the way to the playoffs before the season was stopped. I think the Sabres are hoping Lukanen does that. And Craig Anderson, I think, is here as insurance in case both of those things don't happen. So that's kind of the goalie situation for this year. But make no mistake about it, Devin Levi, who the Sabres acquired from the Panthers in the Sam Reinhart trade, the Sabres just waiting for him to show up. They're just waiting for him to show up. I think right now he's plan A. Lukanen is plan B. Like he could become the franchise goaltender. Cobbery could even become the franchise goaltender. But plan A right now for the Sabres in net long term is that Devin Levi takes over that net. It won't be this year, maybe next year. Um, so that's the long term and the short term basically for them in net. Mm. And the Sabres definitely have seen, shown some patience with uh, with their pro- prospects. That's for sure when it comes to bring him in from what I've seen. And there's also a connection with Comrie and head coach Paul Maurice for the Florida Panthers during his time. And there's been a lot of questions about whether uh, Sergey Bobrovsky is going to get that many uh, starts for the Panthers as far as the 60, and which I don't think is definitely uh, going mm-hmm. to be a thing for the Panthers as far as that many games. But we're going to transition over to segment number two, where Joe is going to, and I are going to discuss the Florida Panthers perspective on things. We're going to discuss that next year on the show, but right now we're going to tell you all about Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and there are a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com and and snag a box for you and the family. It'll be a perfect treat or you can find a really good hiding place just to hoard them for yourself. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off at Built.
Com. All right, second segment on this crossover edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. And now we flip the tables over to Joe uh, on the Florida Panthers perspective yep. of things. And it's a very exciting season, I think, for the Panthers. And it's also super interesting because I I think for me, Armando, their offseason was the most interesting offseason that any team had because they had a President's Trophy run and they kind of blew things up. Is that putting it too aggressively? When I say they blew things up, really it's one big trade we're talking about, right? It's the Matthew Kachuk trade. Mm-hmm. So I guess one, would you agree with that sentiment that they blew it up after losing to the Lightning and getting swept by Tampa Bay, lose their season ending to them two years in a row? Um, and the Kachuk trade in general, just like what do you think it signifies for the organization and also like what they gave up to get that done? Blowing things up is funny because those are terms that I haven't really used on the show, but it, it makes sense as far as why people could think uh, it's it's blowing it up because usually people put negative connotations between blowing it up as far as a team winning this many games and and maybe people use it more in the sense of tanking. That's usually where I think of it as that. But the, but the Florida Panthers, of course, a roster that's still good enough to at least be a playoff team on paper – uh, especially with the betting odds, uh, think mm. think of where they are, and of course the the cap crunch really had a lot to do with why they they made the trades, and and as well as being embarrassed the way they did against Tampa Bay. Yeah, games two and four were were close, and the the there there was a lot three seconds ago, and Ross Colton scores against against the Panthers, and it was one nothing with in the final minute of the game for the Tampa Bay Lightning game four. But for but for the Bill Zito, it was pretty much a message that this just wasn't good enough. And this core had been here for a long time for the Panthers, Ekblad, Huberdeau, and Barkoff. Uh, Huberdeau being with the team since 2011. And it, it just, I, I know Bill Zito is, o- is only in his third year, but of course, it, it seeing the previous seasons and how the Florida Panthers were just not getting over the, over the hump, and of course, Jonathan Huberdeau was up for a contract as next season. And it's like, how can we still maintain our long-term flexibility? Because the long-term, the, because the flexibility that they have now, I, I spoke about on yesterday's episode. It, they're they're really tied up against the cap. A lot of contending teams are, and it's still going to take a while for these teams to to get to create some room. So Bill Zito thought about it as, how can I still create some room, at least at least for the long term. And it, and it, and for the Panthers, it's it's going to help. It's going to suffer, make them suffer in the short term. I was just discussing yes on yesterday's show about Mackenzie Weger getting paid by the Calgary Flames six point two five, and yeah. Jonathan Huberdeau them their salaries combined six point sixteen point seven five million dollars, which the Panthers wouldn't be able to just fit. So mm-hmm. it it was just a, a move that if you're going to make this move, if you're going to make this move, that time was the time to do it because the age factor as well. How are those contracts going to age at the end of it? Because the they're gonna Jonathan Huberdeau is gonna be thirty nine by the time his contract ends. Mackenzie Weger is gonna be around that age as well. While Matthew Kachuk is twenty four, starting his eight year deal this year, and when 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 him him and Barkov's deal expires at the same time, Jonathan Huberdeau's and and Barkov's deals would not have. And it's and it's and that's really the name of the game of how Bill Zito's trying to go with his cap flexibility and this was even before keith yandel's buyout on seeing how he was structuring contracts okay 
Duclair gets a three, a, a three year, a three year deal, three, three million. Okay. There's a Sam Reinhart, a, a three year, three year deal, Sam Bennett, four year, four year deal, 4.4 million. So there's a lot of flexibility that Bill Zito's looking ahead. That's what he's doing. And I, I get the impression that Paul Maurice is going to have a long leash for the Panthers coming in. And, and, yep. and same thing with, and same thing with Matthew Kachuk and Alexander Barkov together as a group. Yeah. I, I think talking about the Kachuk trade, like it's just very two different teams in very two different situations. Calgary kind of had their hand forced, right? Goudreau left and Kachuk was going to leave. Like the, it was pretty evident and it was out there in the media that he would only sign a one-year deal and essentially you'd be walking him to unrestricted free agency where you'd lose him then for nothing. So I kind of get it from the Calgary end. I think they lose the trade because you're getting how much older by making that trade. You mentioned the age for Huberto, 39 when that contract ends is nuts. But Calgary, like what else are you going to do? You had two options. You were either going to go scorched earth, rebuild it all. And as a Sabre fan, that could take a decade. You never know. (laughs) And two, you, it, the second option was let's just go all in, push our cards to the middle. Our, our, our hands been forced. Let's go all in. And I could respect that, but I think Florida gets the better end of that deal because you get so much younger and I know it was expensive, but I, I guess how much is the lightning, the, the, the bar, how much is the division, the bar, because that's the same team that has ended your season two years in a row but they've been a juggernaut, right? Like they've ended a lot of team seasons the past three, four years as they've made these runs to the Stanley Cup. So I guess what's the measuring stick? What's a successful season for Florida? It just, does it have to start with they've got to get over Tampa Bay? I I, I believe so. Uh and that's been and that's been been the mission for this team. And really a, a lot I, I think Toronto's gonna win the division, which will likely mean like a Florida, Tampa Bay first round. And First round or second round, you you, you got to find a way to to get over over Big Brother eventually for for the Panthers because they just broke their they just broke their twenty six year drought of not winning a playoff series. Now the record is by the Toronto Maple Leafs. So two two droughts that the Florida Panthers have had broken in the in just the last season with you spoke about the playoff the the making the playoffs uh, drought that that the that the sabers have so now now this is the life cycle of the panthers that they are really at their best in franchise history in this in this 20 almost 30 plus year history of this team next year will be the 30th year but this is this is the time for the panthers to still continue to at least get one round for for as far as a successful season and if that one round for me means beating the tampa bay lightning and I say this now, my, my mind could change when once we get to that time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But right now I'm saying if you beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in round one, advance to the second round with all the cap all struggles that the Panthers are going to go through because they're going to have around $10, $11 million to play with next offseason and with having the most expensive goalie tandem in the NHL come next year too. If you can get that out of your way, yeah. this is a bit – that will be a – big step forward for the Panthers and they won't have to have a situation this off season where they have to squeeze so many players to just get to sign a one-year deal, like under a million or even bring in a PTO, like someone like Eric Stahl, who did eventually did not make the the team for the Panthers too. Mm. So that that's kind of a situation that Bill Zito finds himself in. Now the, the, the thing is short-term pain for long-term gain for, for the Panthers. 
But if they can get a round one series win out of it, it's a success. Yeah. What about the goalie situation? You mentioned it a little bit there. Bobrovsky obviously has been a staple for a couple of years, but Spencer Knight, first round pick, he's developed at least I think pretty nicely. He hasn't broken out as like a superstar yet, but it feels like he has that capability and he just signs a contract three years, 4.5 million, but doesn't kick into next year. So I don't know what's the future at that position. Is the writing on the wall that they'll find their way out of the Bobrovsky contract? Because I don't know, Armando, spending almost $15 million on goaltender is crazy in the NHL. It's nuts. Uh, I, 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 I totally get it. But with the cap rising, a chance of a buyout is less likely, which is mm. such a win for, for the Panthers. But Bobrovsky still has one more offseason, excuse me, two more offseasons until he that – no move clause becomes a modified no trade clause. It's July 1st of 2024 that he will that he will have to submit a 16 team no trade list. So it'll become a lot easier if they if Bill Zito actually really does believe that Spencer Knight is going to be the guy who's going to take the load past the 2023-24 season and mm-hmm. to take the reins, then then that that is what that that is what the Florida Panthers will have to do, and chances are, there there's no way in hell that the Panthers are going to keep zero dollars in salary. There's just that's just not a possibility on earth, and in, in in my opinion, unless you give up even more draft capital than what Florida does not have. So that's that that's the situation they find themselves in, and it's a and it's a product of the previous regime. The the Dale Talon was the one who drafted both Spencer Knight and Sergey Bobrovsky less like ten days apart from each other. Uh, so, so that's, that's really, that's really how, how that happened. So mm-hmm. with, and Spencer and I struggled a little bit in his second year was sent down, had to, had to get a couple of games in and, and started performing well towards the tail end of his time in the AHL brought back up and, and, and played a lot better as, as the season progressed. But right now, um, I, if I think, Starting goalie for opening night is still Sergey Bobrovsky for for the Panthers, and I think he. You, we spoke about Connor Hellebuck in the in the previous segment about him starting sixty plus games for the Winnipeg Jets under Paul Maurice, and with with this with this stage in the NHL, you mentioned Marty Berdour, Marty Berdour, which a lot of Panther fans, including myself, when you look at the stats, say in two thousand four. Uh, Luongo should have won the Vesna over Berdur because of 900 plus sh- more shots. But those ga- mm-hmm. those days of the those days of the NHL are not uh, yeah. are not here anymore. So Sergey Borovsky, I still think he gets about like 50 plus games as far as starting. Spencer Knight maybe gets close to 40, but not over over 41 for for the Panthers. I I I do I do believe. Excuse me, I don't believe. That Spencer Knight will be sent down this season. I I, I am very confident that he will not be sent down for uh, to to the Charlotte Checkers this year, unless un- unless something else happens uh, this season. But I I do believe that that Spencer will will have more more time uh, on the Florida Panthers roster. And the thing is, next year is going to be that year to even get more. But I think this year specifically, it's still going to be Sergey Bobrovsky's net. And then last one is just kind of a check-in on uh, the Sam Reinhardt trade from the Panthers' perspective. The Sabres, I think, are relatively happy with the Reinhardt trade, but, I mean, 
five years before we really know what they'll get out of it because we're waiting on a goalie and goalies can sometimes take forever to develop as you're starting to find out with, with Spencer Knight, Ryan Miller, once upon a time, didn't show up for the Sabres until he was 26 as the starter. It could take a long time. What about from Florida's perspective? Statistically, it was a great year, but did Reinhardt, I guess, meet the expectation of what the, the team was getting? Mm. And you mentioned Ryan Miller, one of the best American goaltenders, of all time there for the, for the Sabres. And for Sam Reinhart, he got off to a rough start for the Panthers, only one point in six games. I, I know there was a Buffalo writer uh, speaking about that trade very early uh, for for the Sabres, saying how they guaranteed that the, the, the Sabres would win that trade. But, of course, Sam Reinhart ended the season with 13 power play goals uh, for the Panthers. He's a net, he has continued being a net front presence for the Cats. And – especially because he was a big mentor to someone like Anton Lundell last season playing on the same line, him, Mason Marchment and Anton Lundell, that, that was a, that was a line that, that had a streak of, of everyone at least getting a, a, a goal. And there was a, there was a game against Columbus last year where each of them had, had at least five points uh, in, in their game against Columbus. I believe it was a late January, early February game in Columbus so that that has been a relationship that has that progressed a lot last season. However, Sam Reinhart, uh, with a new coaching staff, of course, is not going to be on that same line for the for the Panthers. He's actually, as far as practice lines this morning, uh, the the Panthers look to have Alexander Barkov with Sam Reinhart and Carter Verhage. And Sam Sam Reinhart was playing on the top line opening night of last season and was even within a period. He was shifted down to third line and really didn't leave that spot since, but that was still a very productive line. You had a one of the best top nines in the NHL, of course. One of the best scoring seasons that we've seen in the NHL since the 1996 Penguins. And, with, and of course, with a lot of changes and cap strap, of course, you got you to gotta spread uh, the lineup a little bit differently. And, of course, different familiarities and different coaches and different philosophies go to different decisions with Sam Reinhart being on the top line. Who knows? It could change for, for the Panthers, but right now, right now opening night, it looks to be that Sam Reinhart is going to play on the wing along with Barkoff and Carter Verhage. All right. Well, I think that's it for me on Panther questions. Uh, Want to take a break and then come back and look at some, uh, some other stuff. Yep. We'll, 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 we'll take a break and, and each, uh, Joe and I will be discussing our, our own teams on who the surprises between who makes the roster and who does who did not make the roster for each of our individual teams. We'll be discussing that next here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast and Locked On Buffalo Sabres. Third and final segment here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast on this Tuesday, October 11th edition of the show. And I want to thank Joe DiBiase for joining me on the crossover edition of the show. But before we recorded, we also agreed that our third segments would be separate due to discussing the opening night roster. We on our individual shows want to discuss where the opening night rosters are and discuss and put more focus on our individual teams on the third segment of both of our shows. But so thank you once again, Joe DiBiase. So, all the Florida Panthers players who were placed on waivers yesterday all cleared. So Lucas Carlson's 800K 
coming off the books for the Panthers, Michael Dozado, Alexi Hepaniemi, Alex Lyon, Gerald Mayhew, and Chris Tierney, all of their salaries, which are all 750K, will all come off the books for the Panthers. So the whole conversation when discussing Justin Sordiff, Zach Dalpy, and Matt Kirstead still on the roster, and the fact that we discussed in the towards the tail end of yesterday's show of Matt Kirstead not being on the ice for the Florida Panthers. And he, he along with Dalpy and Sordiff, are going to be placed on season opening injured reserve. So there's a little bit of a difference as far as salary cap goes for, for the Cats. And the way it goes, and really had to really read this very carefully on how I read the salary cap implications for the season opening IR. And it is said, hold on, pulling up the pulling it up right now. And the rule is if a player on a two-way contract and has played less than 50 games the previous year and is injured prior to the opening night roster, their cap hit while injured is prorated based on number of days on the roster last year. So Justin sort of signing his entry-level deal, not playing a single game under the Panthers last season, his cap hit will be at $0 for the Cats. Zach Delpy only came up for one game for the Panthers last year. So his cap hit is less than $4,000 for the Panthers. And Matt Kierstead, the guy of all these three who have been around the longest and have played the most amount of games last year, his cap hit is only just under 84K for the Cats. So all of that and the Panthers are just under the $82.5 million salary cap ceiling and Anthony Duclair's LTIR space helped clear that for the Panthers and of all, of all, with all of that the Panthers are the ninth closest team to the cap ceiling Vancouver has something around like zero dollars they're right ex- exactly at the cap ceiling the cap space that the Toronto Maple Leafs has four dollars the Vegas Golden Knights have 17 I believe last time I checked so a lot of teams that are in contention are in this cap crunch right now for in the in the NHL and the Florida Panthers are no different as far as that which means that they're unable to sign Eric Stahl they were, they were trying to make a last minute effort in order to bring this guy for the Panthers but just so happens that the that the veteran forward is was was unable to make make the team as far as the cap crunch and really, and honestly this was this was a signing that if the Panthers had made that an, another player would have had to go down and one move would have made met another player would have not been around. And that would probably move a player that was waivers exempt from the Panthers, like a Spencer Knight or an Anton Lindell. And the, for Eric Stahl, where he is in, in this part of his career, it's not worth moving a Spencer Knight or an Anton Lindell down to Charlotte in order just to bring the veteran forward. Sure, he could be a little valuable for for this team, but the cap crunch just didn't make sense. And of course, there was a lot of questions on what, what on Eric Stahl being on this team about it creating a possible logjam. And of course, if there was space and he doesn't work out, put him on waivers and send someone down who was on a two way deal. But the Panthers are just that close to the to the ceiling that it was just. Good, always going to be hard to make it work. And, you know, 
speaking when speaking to the media, both Eric and Mark Stahl, they were talking about how how Mark uh, helped Eric bunk with him while he was on his PTO uh, here in Sunrise, Florida. And for for the brothers, you, you kind of feel for them because an opportunity to to play together. Uh, so not not the not the first time that stalls have played with each other. If if that would have been the case, but an op- but an, just a missed opportunity for both of them. But the for the Panthers, as far as their roster. Oh, one more thing before I go uh, to the players who actually made it. Logan Hutzko, whose waiver is exempt, was sent down to the minors for the for the Panthers. I believe I also said that yesterday, but just in case I did not say it yesterday. So there's going to be exactly exactly 20 players for for the Panthers, and one of them is a waiver is a waiver claim for for the Cats. Lucas Carlson was sent um, placed on waivers, sent down to Charlotte. Matt Kier said season opening IR, but the Panthers have claimed Josh Mahura off of waivers from the Anaheim Ducks, a former third-round pick, number 85th overall in the 2016 draft. His scouting reports spoke about how he's mostly an offensive defenseman as, and is not the best at reading when to jump in on the rush. And he had a great last season in the WHL just a few years ago, but it's been a while since he's he was in the WHL. Hasn't really translated just yet to the NHL level in his first four seasons he hasn't even combined a total of a full season after being drafted by the ducks so they put him on waivers florida claims him is seen as a very high upside kind of waiver claim for bill zito and and company not let's not forget that gus forsling was a waiver claim from carolina just two two seasons ago and and look what he's become i'm not saying josh mahura is going to be that guy but hey Another another low risk high reward possible signing uh not signing uh claim for Bill Zito. So twenty players exactly, and Josh Mahero is likely gonna play third pair minutes without even getting a full week of practice. So the following players have made it: Carter Hagee, Alexander Barkov, Sam Reinhart, Matthew Kachuk, Sam Bennett, Rudolph Balsers. Who <laughs> Rudolph Balsers, by the way, last season had a a game misconduct on a cross check on Josh Mahara last season. So looks like to, that they are going to be friends that now, now that they're on the same team. Etulu Sterenin, Anton Lindell, Colin White, Ryan Lomberg, who returned to practice yesterday, Nick Cousins, and Patrick Hornquist. Defense defense is Gus Forsling, Aaron Eckblad, Mark Stahl, Brandon Montour, Josh Mahara, and Radko Gudis. So that is your 20 players for the Panthers. No scratches. It's going to be all 20 players are going to be there and all are going to dress for opening night against the New York Islanders. And your and your and your goalies, l- let me not forget the goalies. Sergey Bobrovsky and Sp- Spencer Knight coming into this season. So kind of made sense why Bill Zito after placing Zach Delpy on waivers brought him back for that last game against the Tampa Bay Lightning this past Saturday. And maybe a good reason why to also keep Justin sort of when you're talking about cap space and season opening IR due to the fact that he struggled with injuries. So you're technically not lying for as far as trying to get some cap relief for, for Bill Zito, but this is what you got to do. 
the these GMs all got to be creative on how they use the space. And Justin sort of hadn't hadn't had a full training camp, missed a little time, uh, skated a little bit on Monday, but still, I guess they still view him as injured. There's no there's no confirmation on on what the story uh, is behind Justin sort of, but it looks like the the way it was structured it was a way to structure it for cap relief to bring the Panthers just under that 82.5 cap ceiling. So it, it's going to be an issue all year for the, for the Panthers. And this won't be the last difficult decision for Bill Zito spoke about earlier, earlier when Anthony Duclair comes back, who's going to be the guy who, who will likely be placed on waivers if if an LTIR status does not happen for somebody else, who is going to be that next person who is likely going to not not be able to fit on this roster? Because if Anthony Duclair is healthy, you're going to put him in. So no way you're going to leave him out of the lineup. And of course, the trade deadline, if you are in a position to get stronger once the deadline happens, what kind of move is Bill Zito going to make? Or, or is he going to stay pat? So something to discuss really and something to look look for as the Panthers are it's going to be a it's going to be a little difficult to navigate through this but just take it one game at a time and it starts with their game on Thursday against New York and see where the Panthers week by week game by game for as far as the seeing the picture of this team of course things clear up next year but it's going to be a little bit of a different kind of ride this year on tomorrow's episode of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, we are going to focus more on the defense for the Panthers. Yes, exactly six players will be dressing opening night, but how effective can those guys actually be this season? That has been a conversation that we've been talking about all summer, but now we are going to discuss that more in length. Now that we know who the players are, we're going to discuss that on tomorrow's edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast as tomorrow is a Winans Wednesday edition of the show. So Jacob Winans will be back and we'll be discussing more and of course his opinions on what the roster currently stands at. So if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast to be notified every single time the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed make sure to subscribe to locked on fantasy hockey with flip livingstone and steel Roden. will they be covering all the regular season activities around the national hockey league thank you for making the locked on florida panthers podcast your first listen of the day and for your second listen of the day make sure to listen to today's episode of locked on nhl locked on experts give you a daily 30 minute podcast on all things national hockey league locked on nhl your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Sorry, Marmando Velez. Signing off. And you've been listening to the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Where's your team? Every day.